2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: Good evening, wherever well, we you are in the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina Studio in the great state of north carolina with my co-host glenn mcmillian from the state of texas dr frank washington jr from the state of florida steve stanley hubbard from the state of indiana clay phillips from the state of georgia steve Cordo from the state of illinois johnny morris from the state of georgia Yusuf ford from the state of indiana and brian christian coleman from the state of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give us a call to the live show at 713 955 zero five zero eight or you can go to the blog talk radio website and listen to the show live there there are over 1700 live shows on that blog talk radio website at this hour and you will consistently find this radio show on pages one through four of that website you'll find that show on page one of the website this evening what a blessing if you have any questions or comments send any of my co-hosts on the show you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at com, or you can call Stevie B. Media Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating the congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to abide with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, of Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast, and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, well, we pray that you will be with our co-hosts on the show this evening, Dr. Frank Washington, Jr., and you support as they break unto our listeners the bread of life, and also my co-host, Steve Corter, who will be answering our question that on the hearts of so many, we just pray that you'll continue to bless them and their families that support their efforts so they may continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in via blog, talk, radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, that they may consider their eternal stance before you, and that their hearts may be prayed. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're just so grateful for his precious sacrifice on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. For I pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all.
2: Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: In the first segment of the broadcast, my co-host is Dr. Frank Washington, Jr. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, we have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. That'll be posing to one of my co-hosts. Steve Cordell. He serves with the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. And he'll be answering our question in that segment. And then to close out the show, my co-host, Yusuf Ford. He serves with, with the evangelists for the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ to close out the show. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds and let's have a great show after the break. The next voice will be that of my co-host, the Frank Washington Jr. Enjoy the show.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
3: There's a call coming ringing on
2: Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus
0: Christ.
1: Now, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington Jr.
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for uh, allowing me to express my faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, as a minister, I have in uh, many, many times been asked by uh, followers as well as those who are not followers of Jesus Christ on the subject or topic of why uh, should they be baptized? Well, to condense this huge message that will probably take me six weeks to conclude, uh, I'm just going to give you six reasons uh, why uh baptism, or followers, or those who are not followers, why they should be baptized. I hope you're ready for this. Uh, track this with me. Number one, baptism is commanded by Jesus. We all can uh, agree with that because Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 28:19, saying, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then again in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, Peter ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so from these scriptures, uh, it's evident that baptism is a command of Jesus to those who believe and have faith uh, in him. Next, baptism is commended by our Lord's example. Matthew 3 and verse 16 says that... The baptizing of Jesus in the Jordan River. You all remember that. He said he did it to fulfill all righteousness. Now, Jesus had no sins of his own, but he endorsed the ordinance of baptism as practiced by John the Baptist. For him, it was a must. For Jesus, it was a must. Peter tells us that Jesus left us a great example that we should follow today. Follow in his footsteps. His footsteps lead every believer or should lead every believer into the water of baptism. And it must bring great pleasure to our Lord Jesus Christ uh, to watch us as we are baptized uh, in his blessed name. Next we have baptism uh, was a common practice of the early church. In the early church, baptism was a common practice uh, done by those who were believers in Jesus Christ. In Acts 2.41, uh, the Bible tells us, those who accepted his message were baptized. And then about 3,000 souls were added to their number that day. Great lesson. Uh, great text. The first Christians baptized were baptized on a regular basis as people were getting saved. And it's a common practice today but there are a lot of other verses that we could use and go to here are just a few Acts chapter 8 35 through 38 um, Acts chapter 16 uh, 14 through 15 Acts chapter uh, 10 verse 43 and on and on uh, baptism was a common practice of the early church and if you read your history you'll understand this is basically a true statement and that baptism was a common practice uh, of the early church. Next, we find that uh, baptism is the believer's public confession of faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, baptism is the visible outward expression of your inward decision for Christ. Can't argue that. But it brings you out to the side of Christ in a very definite way. It's a sign of your and my commitment and discipleship. So when people say or saw Christians being baptized in the days of the New Testament, there was no doubt in their minds as to why they were doing this or to whom they owed their allegiance. So for this very reason, baptism can be particularly helpful to young people, young Christians brought up in non-Christian homes where perhaps their decision for Christ isn't as well-known as it is for many of us. But their baptism will be their act of confession in which they make a definite stand for Jesus Christ. But whatever the background, whatever the background, their baptism will prove to be a source of strength and courage in their great desire uh, to follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and witness for him uh, to others in that way. Then we have baptism is a challenge. And Lord have mercy, is it a challenge? Baptism is a challenge to live a godly life. Following Jesus is not as easy as some folks say it is. Baptism is a challenge. Well, why do you say that, Doc? Well, when we were baptized, we, you and I who have been baptized, we're not just simply doing another religious ritual or ceremony, we're testifying to Romans 6 and verse number 3, which says that all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, baptism is a challenge it's a challenge in a way that how do you how do you how do you get to understand or know what a new life is well it's a testimony that you will not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life but it's not easy with this new life it it is not easy don't think that you know because you're baptized that your life is now going to be a bed of roses. It is a challenge. Even for folk like me today, it still can become a challenge. And I'm sure some of you all out there who are listening will testify that, yes, it's not easy. It is a challenge. Baptism, to be baptized, requires, and hear me clearly, baptism requires a change of behavior. Now, that was part of my dissertation. But, I, and, and I wrote that thing with my heart. It is not easy. It's not easy. But, uh, but the baptism of the believer is symbolic. In that it shows that the death of the old life and the birth of the new life. It symbolizes the washing away and the burying uh, of sin nature and rising to walk in newness of life cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It, I mean, it, it just proclaim, proclaims that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Do, are you a new creation or are you still, you know, hanging on to that old life and that old creation that you used to have? Because the Bible says the old is gone. Well, it isn't gone right then, but it's gone. But it also says the new life has come. And that new life is to follow Jesus Christ, live uh, a new life. Amen. And then we have, finally, baptism identifies believers as a part of the community of Christ. Baptism symbolizes one of the purposes of the church, and that is fellowship. Fellowship which is identified with the body of Christ. So, as believers, we're called to belong, not just to believe. Let me say that again. As Christians, we, we're called to belong, not just believe. Now, we're not meant to live the, uh, what's that guy's name, the Lone Ranger life. Instead, we are to belong to Christ's family, and be members of his body. Baptism is not only a symbol of salvation, it is a symbol of fellowship. It not only symbolizes our new life in Christ, it visualizes a personal incorporation into the body of Christ. It says to the world, this person is now one of us, and that is one of us who are in the body uh, of Jesus Christ. And so when new believers are baptized, we, be, we welcome them into the fellowship of God. Uh, they're not alone, and and, and and they should know that uh, they have a body of Christ for support any they need that body of Christ for support. Uh, Ephesians 2.19 says you are members of God's very own body, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You are now in a great fellowship of people who love you and care for you and will do what they can to support you. Uh, in in the Christian manner, in any way else that they can, and so that means that is 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 simply implying that baptism identifies us as believers, as part of the fellowship uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, what's the point of all this? Well, when you consider the six reasons, and really these six reasons are basically sermons that I, I teach. But when considering the six reasons why believers should be baptized, it's clear to see that when a Christian is baptized or an individual who is lost is now baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are being identified with everything that God is and everything that God represents. Amen? And so the believer is publicly identified as a child of the Most High God. Well, this lesson is yours. I thank you for listening. Uh, keep your hand in God's hand and stay in God's grip. God bless you.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. listening to the gospel light radio show shout it out question
1: ladies and gentlemen we have a question from my social media platform called shout it out that we want to pose to my co-host steve corto he serves as the evangelist for the east park church of christ there in danville illinois and we also want to encourage our listeners to uh, go to that group on social media facebook and get involved with those biblical discussions now the question that we have for steve it comes from an anonymous querist from uh, Nigeria, Africa. And the scriptural reference that's used is in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 8. Let me read that first before I ask the question. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Thou shalt not make the any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above all that is in the earth beneath, all that is in the waters beneath the earth. And here's the question. Is the sin to wear crosses around our necks as jewelry? What say you to this question?
4: Good evening, Stevie, and thank you for having me on the program this evening, and welcome to all of our listeners on the Blog Talk platform or whichever one you happen to be listening on. Thank you for taking time to be with us and study God's Word, and uh, I'm also posting a video of this to my YouTube channel. It's uh, Steve Cordell's Let Us Study Together. I've got some PowerPoint slides with some of the points on it uh, that I'm going to be making Uh, this evening to answer this question. It's an anonymous question from the nation of Nigeria wanting to know, is it a sin to wear crosses around our necks as jewelry? Now, as I was preparing this answer, I thought of some other things that we do, and I'm going to tie them into the question of things, for instance, t-shirts that people like to wear advertising their faith or ball caps. I've got one here that says, uh, God is good all the time. And is it okay to wear jewelry or wear anything like that uh, out in public to show our faith? Now, just a little bit about my background. When I became a Christian in the mid-1980s, the wearing of any cross or religious-themed item of clothing or jewelry in the congregation where I was was highly discouraged. Um, It was something that we were advised uh, simply not to do. And then among conservative churches of Christ, the very conservative, the ones that we might refer to as non-institutional or anti, the use of religious symbols is really avoided. Uh, Most of the times it can be a little difficult to do this because so much of what we order and use in our church buildings has already got religious symbols on them. For instance, you order a set of communion trays the lids that go on them many times, have the handle is in the shape of a cross. Now, some might just remove that and put a, uh, a little bulb or a, um, something else on there that's not uh, a cross or anything that might be uh, considered religious. Now, why is that? Why do we typically re- discourage the wearing of religious-themed items? Well, some have told me that they think it cheapens Christ and the gospel. And some of these uh, debates and discussions still go on today, at least among some of the churches of Christ. Uh, I don't know about other uh, churches or religious groups. Uh, Some will argue not only does it cheapen Christ and the gospel, but early Christians didn't do it, that Jesus wouldn't do it. And then uh, uh, sort of a common fallback we see sometimes is that, well, that's something the denominations do, and we don't want to be a denomination, Now, there's several ways, actually, to answer this question as it was presented by the listener in Nigeria. One is we can look at the cross as an instrument of torture. It is an instrument of torture and death, and uh, therefore we shouldn't wear it. I heard somebody once ask if Jesus had been uh, executed instead of on a cross, if somebody had used a shotgun, would we be wearing shotguns around our neck? and putting uh, shotguns on display in our church buildings. Uh, You can do with that what you will, but there is a point, I think, to be made of what the cross was used for, and that we don't use other instruments of torture and death as uh, signs of our faith or anything else. A second thing to keep in mind is that the cross can become an object of worship you look at some churches where their church buildings and the, and the altars and the content in them receive a lot of the devotion that God should receive, and they give a lot of devotion and homage to these objects that the pagans in the Old Testament seem to give their idols. A third thing to consider is the cross maybe is simply a reminder uh, to the wearer of Christ's sacrifice. And then there's a fourth one that I'll mention uh, when we get towards the end of the talk here. I'm going to save that one uh, for last. Now let's look at the text. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 8, and I've included some verses after it uh, just to get an idea of the context. But chapter 5, verse 8 says, You shall not make for yourself any carved image. Some translations will say any graven image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them nor serve them the Lord your God or I the Lord your God am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and, and keep my commandments, don't ever forget that part. Now, the problem or the issue seems to be whether or not we're bowing down to these images. The Hebrew people were not to bow down or worship any statues or idols. God had forbidden them to intermarry with the nations around them because they will lead your heart after other gods. And you can look at First Samuel, or rather First uh, Kings, chapter eleven and see what happened to uh, Solomon, for all his wisdom, and what he did when he got mixed up with women of other nations. Now, James Burton Kaufman uh, stated that, to the modern mind, this prohibition seems like much ado about nothing. What could be the harm of images? Well, to begin with, the prohibition here is not against the aesthetic arts, or photography, or anything like that. Note the words unto thee, he uses the old King James, but uh, unto thee or unto you, indicating that it is a religious image which are forbidden, objects of human adoration and worship. Note also, he says, that the prohibition is multiple. Religious images must not be made. Men must not bow down to them. Men must not serve them. And the reasons are profound. By its very nature, any religious image is false, being a lying presentation. Of what is allegedly represented God could and this is uh, Gary uh, Harlan Hall in his commentary on Deuteronomy in the College Press NIV commentary series he said God could not be represented in any way for he was the creator not a part of the created world he was also invisible the polytheistic world was again quite different having no reservation about representing their deities in both animal and human form. God's jealousy was a function of his exclusive covenant loyalty to Israel. He deeply cared for his people and expected exclusive loyalty in return. Because of his loyalty, God rewarded loyalty in Israel or punished disloyalty. Verses uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5 verses 9 and 10 are not stating some inexorable law of divine determinism, but expressing the uh, greatness of God's mercy and love. So what we're saying here is that, first of all, God is a jealous God. God could not be represented in any way uh, through human means. He is also invisible, and his jealousy is a function of his exclusive covenant loyalty to Israel. Now remember, this is Old Testament here. But we also have to consider the pagans that they are polytheistic. They had many gods. Uh, I can't, in fact, as far as I can tell, uh, the Hebrews were the only monotheistic people in that region in that time. In fact, pretty much throughout the world, all the religions were, were uh, had many gods, polytheistic. Uh, He says, the polytheistic world was, again, quite different, having no reservation about representing their deities in both human and animal form. The influence of idolatry is passed down from fathers uh, to children, just like we're supposed to pass down our faith uh, to our children. So in the Old Testament, no, they could not make any sort of idols. They could not bow down to them, could not worship them. But we're living under the new covenant. So what do we do with that? Well. Here's the thing in Acts chapter fifteen we have what's known as the Jerusalem Council, and they're having a dispute over circumcision uh, should Gentile men who come into the the faith have to be circumcised so they had a back and forth and a big discussion about it and beginning in verse nineteen of Acts chapter fifteen, James stands up to give the decision uh, the kind of the decision of the court, if you will and he says, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogue uh, every Sabbath." So James knows that this is a big issue with the Judaizers, so he's suggesting some recommendations here that are going to be ap- applicable to Gentile Christians who associate with the Jewish Christians, uh, especially those who are among the dispersion, who've been chased out of Jerusalem, which happened back in uh, Acts chapter 8. So he's trying to promote unity among the brethren uh, here, and he wants Christians to live together, of course, in, in uh, peaceful relationships and be able to fellowship one another. So he wants them to avoid polluted food. Now, in our present-day structure, this probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But for Gentile believers, during that time, uh, every word in the command to abstain from things polluted by idols was meaningful. And this could have a lot to do with food because meat in the marketplace many times Uh, was part, was there and it had been part of an animal that was offered to a pagan god. So it was creating uh, issues there uh, in the church and God does not want his people uh, obviously to be associated with uh, idols, we've already seen that uh, in the Old and the New Testament. Now the commentators tied, most of them that I looked at, tied the claws, things polluted by idols into food in the marketplace and that sort of thing. But it doesn't actually say food, it says uh, from uh, to abstain from polluted by idols. Basically anything that's been polluted by an idol is the way that I took it. Uh, so therefore, as Christians, we are not to give our honor, our uh, reverence, or anything like that to an object. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's consider there what Paul said. And keeping in mind all the problems associated with the city of Corinth, Paul said, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. So because idolatry, remember, is worshiping something other than the true God in the way that he wants us to, uh, it, is a, it is a very serious matter. It's a, it's a very serious, some, one writer called it a serious and contaminating of sins. It strikes at the very character of God when we worship an idol because we're declaring that this, uh, whatever this idol is, is our God. And so uh, he's telling us here to flee. Get as far away from it as you can. So do not make your cross or any other object uh, an idol or an object of worship, an an object of worship that uh, belongs to God. And if you're just wearing a cross just as a piece of jewelry, I don't see how you're worshiping it or uh, making it any sort of an idol. What if, though, I want to wear it just as a reminder? Okay, I honestly don't know anyone who actually worships crosses or objects. I do know some of what we like to call high churches that do seem to give a little too much attention uh, to statues and things that are uh, in their church buildings. But I don't know anyone who actually prays to an object the way, say, uh, the uh, uh, ancient people might pray to a tree or to something, some idol they have made. Uh, but so, so don't make that as an idol. But if you want to have it as something, just as a reminder, let's say. Well, Joshua, remember, they did place some stones uh, in the river. It tells us in Joshua chapter 4 that he called 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among your children, uh, to, uh, that this may be a sign among you, when your children ask in times to come, saying, "What do these stones mean to you?" Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So these are for memorial. Notice they're not there uh, uh, to worship and not really there as a religious symbol as we might think of it. They're simply a memorial, just like we might erect a a memorial to a person or an event, a battle or something like that, just to remind us. And that's what these stones uh, were for. And sometimes I have, uh, in fact, I have a ball cap right here that says God is good all the time. I've got T-shirts that have religious messages on them. And when I wear those out in public, it is a reminder to me to behave in a Christian manner. And sometimes we get catalogs with uh, various uh, religious-themed T-shirts and jewelry. And I've got some slides on the uh, YouTube channel. I'm not endorsing any company or product, just showing some samples here. In fact, I don't even name the company whose catalog I got these from. But sometimes we will wear these uh, maybe as a reminder uh, now I'm not one who wears a lot of jewelry. I wear my wedding ring, and that's it. I haven't worn a watch even in about 20 years. Ever since I started using a cell phone, just didn't see the need to have a watch anymore. Some people do wear a lot of jewelry, and so when we are looking at this, and a reminder, we can see the cross as an instrument or of death. Some people see it that way and won't have, won't wear it. Some are afraid of it becoming an object of worship. And then the cross can be a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice. But here's another reason people sometimes will wear a cross. And the wearer just simply thinks it's cool. It's stylish. It's fashionable. It's sentimental. Grandma gave me this cross on my uh, 10th birthday or something. They could be wearing it for that reason. Now, here's a caveat. And I don't know if the person who submitted this question is male or female uh, or what the cultural norms of uh, his or her society are, and understand we do live under the new covenant now. We don't live under the old covenant. But here is something to keep in mind when you are wearing a cross or any kind of jewelry. 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, and in a like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel." with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, notice this is not prohibiting uh, jewelry or anything like that. I I went to school with um, some preacher's kids. There were uh, four people, uh, four kids in the family. I went to school with three out of the four. And I one time asked one of them, because I noticed their parents didn't wear wedding rings. In fact, no, none of the married people wore wedding rings. I didn't see any chains. Any, the only jewelry, if you want to call it that, that I saw anybody wear was a wristwatch. So I asked about this, and he said, well, because we think it, it would be worldly-mindedness, that if I can wear a wedding ring on this finger, what about wearing a ring on this other finger? And then going to gold chains and, and uh, necklaces and that sort of thing, and you do with that what you will. But to some folks, that is a concern. But Paul here in First Timothy is adding to instructions on the behavior of women, some wardrobe uh, issues, obviously, and looking at these items as examples of impropriety in the Ephesian context. You know, contemporary application uh, appeals to modesty. Uh, he had in mind attitude and character of these Christian women that, they're, that they adorn in modest apparel with propriety. Okay, that they don't get really fancy with their with their uh clothing, And I think there's a, an application here that men can uh, pick up on: that whatever we wear, we should not be showing off fancy clothing like James talked about, to where we're expecting any kind of special attention or anything like that. We need to be reflecting Christ. Uh, And to what degree would wearing braided hair, gold or pearl or anything like that by a Christian woman limit her ability to represent Christ is something she's going to have to answer for her own community and her own culture and her own uh, situation. Uh, Again, I don't know much about Nigeria. In fact, I don't know anything about Nigeria, but I can think of some situations here where someone going in dressed as Paul is describing here, it would create some problems. But on the other hand, I can think of some places where you might go in with some braided hair and something fancy and nobody's going to look twice at you. Now, in this word for modest, here's another mistake we make sometimes as we try to take our 21st century English and use it to define 1st century Greek words. This word here for modest is a word that refers to order or arrangement. What is orderly? What is decent? Uh, The ancient writer Plato presents someone who is, uh, as a citizen, who is quietly fulfilling the duties that are required or incumbent on him and is not living in a disorderly way. Uh, Plato associates such a person, just as Paul does, uh, with a sensible, self-controlled, one who voluntarily places limitations on his own freedom. And this is from the complete word study dictionary of the New Testament. So the virtues of this word, which is cosmois, K-O-S-M-I-O-S, uh, is not only the propriety of dress and demeanor, but of our inner lives and our uh, expressing uh, of, of, our, of our lives. So looking back at the question, is it a sin to wear a cross around our necks as a piece of jewelry? My answer, just to sum it all up and, and tie it up as best as I can in a nice, neat little uh, package, Is wearing a cross is not a sin if it is not an idol or object of worship? And this would go for baseball caps or T-shirts with religious messages on it. If it is modest, it's not a sin. If the wearer is not violating his or her conscience that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where he's speaking specifically of uh, of, um, eating of meat offered to idols, but if something is going to violate your conscience, you shouldn't do it. And you should not force anyone else to violate their conscience. And then again, something else I had thought of as I was putting this together was the cultural norms of your area. Again, I don't know this person's norms for their culture or their community. If there is something in your community that it would be an offense for you to wear a cross uh, to the church assembly or out in public, then I would not wear it. Uh, save it for another time if you're around people maybe that it doesn't bother but if it is going to be a hindrance to you preaching the gospel definitely do not wear it so uh, maybe I've muddied the waters a little bit more but that's the answer that I have if you have any questions uh, you can contact me uh, through 2timothy4.2.3 at gmail.com and and I can uh, give uh, uh, answers to questions or through my YouTube channel social media Thank you for the opportunity to be here, Stevie. Thanks for the opportunity to answer this question. We'll see you on the next broadcast.
2: Shout it out, question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I know. are listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. This is the program reminder. Stevie B.
1: Media Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Telephone number to the live show is 713-955-0508. And the website is www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Gospel Light Radio Show. On Tuesday evening, I'm hosting a live show, What a Woman the Lord Radio Show, and this show will air every second, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month. On the second Tuesday of the month, the show will air from six to eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time, five to seven p.m. Central Standard Time, and we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ who'll be making a proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And also during that show, we have the community corner segment. That segment is designed for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. I also have two co-hosts on that show. Luke Gilbert, he's the evangelist of the Oak Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Isa Mullins, he serves with the Church of Christ in Cary, North Carolina. And then on the third Tuesday of the month, that show airs from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Dr. Entheirika Lange. She's a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist. And she serves with the Gray Road Church of Christ there in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she'll be hosting her show, Conversations with Dr. Lane. And on the 4th, Tuesday of the month, that show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And my co-host is Kelly Fletcher. She serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she'll be hosting her show, The Kelly Fletcher Show. Then on Thursday evening, I'll be hosting the live show, The Gospel Light Radio Show. And this show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And there are eight co-hosts on that show. Clay Phillips, Yusuf Ford, Dr. Frank Washington Jr., Steve Cordo, Stanley Hubbard, um, Johnny Morris, uh, Glenn McMillian, and Brian Christian Coleman. And there will be two of my co-hosts on the air with me on a weekly basis. And I also will be taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Up. So I'll be posting one of my co-hosts on that live show then on friday night i'll be hosting a live show stevie b acapella gospel music blast and this radio show is a 2022 recipient for the mccamer national academy of christian acapella music Artists award for outstanding achievement in record or radio this show will air from 9 to 11 p.m eastern standard time 8 to 10 p.m central standard time and on this radio show i'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists sweet sounds of voices we're also interviewing artists producers writers and we're also debuting new music and featuring old music on that broadcast as well. And every third Friday of the month, we're doing my top 20 countdown show. So on tomorrow night, I'll be counting down my top 20 of of us Gospel songs for the month of February. And this will be the first countdown show for the year 2024. Oh, we also have on-demand episodes, and there are just a variety of musical platforms, listen the city shows on. Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple iTunes, YouTube—just to name a few. Just search for Stevie B Media Productions. We also have recorded version shows. These shows are done in beta high fidelity, and the sound quality is excellent. Just search for Stevie B Recorded Version shows, and these shows only be heard on iHeartRadio on Deezer, and also on Amazon music. We want to thank our sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. If you'd like to become a sponsor, just contact my sponsorship manager, Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. The three E's of B. Media Production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate. We want to edify. We want to encourage you in a study
2: of God's Word.
1: And that will conclude our program announcements. You're listening to The Gospel Live. Radio Show. Stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: Well, no,
3: Jesus, hey, he will fix it. He'll fix it for you. Yeah, I know he knows.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
5: Now my
1: co-host, Yusuf Ford.
5: Good evening, Brother Stevie, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share a few thoughts with this splendid audience. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gospel Light Radio broadcast. So glad you decided to spend some time with us tonight. As always, I like to present messages I believe everyone could benefit from and tonight is no exception. Every family needs a hero or hero, heroine. My subject for consideration is, we are Noah. The name or acronym for Noah could be need, a, need of a hero, necessary obedience activates hope, new opportunities and hope not only available here, and many more. I had a lot of suggestions from a lot of the members, and I thank you for that. If you have a an acronym for Noah, drop us a line let me know what it is. Noah is mentioned throughout the Bible. In fact, he's mentioned in places that you would probably never think. Ezekiel mentions him in this book. God says to him, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by transgression grievously, Then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and I will break the staff of bread thereof, and I will send famine upon it, and I will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14. Isaiah the prophet also mentions him. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 9, it says, For this is... For this is as the waters of Noah unto me; for as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should never go go no more over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, with thee, nor rebuke thee. So when I think of Noah, I sort of think of myself. I had a long opportunity to think of this, and I know I have a great work before me, and it's so much I have to do. With regard to my own personal family, it's almost frightening. Hebrews chapter 11 and 6 is a verse that we use when we convert people to the uh, to the kingdom, along with the five steps, if you know what the five steps are, here: believe, repent, confession, and baptism. Belief is one that we use, uh, that scripture, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder, of them that diligently seek him. And it was surprising to me that verse 7 speaks of Noah. And it says, and this is, there's no, it's, it's not coincidental. It's a, for a reason. It's placed there for a reason. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became Heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah was warned about things he couldn't see. He was warned about things that had never happened before. And so when we ask ourselves, why did Noah respond? Why did he build a giant boat? Well, the simple answer is, he built to save. He was a great dad. He was a great father. And he was thinking about his family. So he built to save his family. When we talk about Noah tonight, there are several things that are notable that we need to touch on tonight. And some of those are Noah walked before God. That's important. Noah answered the call. Noah warned the world and Noah saved his family. And more importantly, I think most of all, Noah was remembered. Now, some of the things I say tonight are going to touch, probably step on some toes, but I'm a preacher. That's what we do sometimes. And a lot of things we say are not easy to say, nor are they easy to sometimes hear. But we have been commanded to preach the word, preach the gospel. That is an express command. That is a direct command from God. And if you don't have the ability to preach it like it is, to tell the truth, you need to sit down somewhere, in my opinion. Just go find a seat in in the in the pew where you can observe the the teaching and hear others preach because the pulpit is no place for a coward. It's not a place for a bully. But you have to. We have to say things that are necessary. And tonight, I'm going to do that. I saw a commercial the other night that troubled me, and it was a it was a commercial about a homosexual lifestyle. And in this commercial, it was a religious commercial and the people who were speaking in this commercial were expressing the point that God loves everyone even us now I don't disagree with that god does love everyone god so loved the world john 316 that he gave his begotten son his only begotten son and he loved the world so much that he literally sacrificed his own his own son to save the world so i don't agree with that but what i do what I do disagree with is God does not like certain lifestyles. God does not agree with homosexuality. He does not agree with that lifestyle. The Bible doesn't condone it, um, nor are there any scriptures in the Bible that support homosexuality. The Bible does, God does love mankind but he does not like certain lifestyles and God laid out his rules and regulations in black and white and plain English and I want to share a few passages again these are New Testament passages we could go all over the Bible but I'm going to share a few with you Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 expresses very plainly the following Mortify, therefore Paul said your members which are upon the earth fornication God is against it Uncleanliness, inordinate affection, God is against it. Evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And here's one. Here's a passage, or a series of passages, that are very clear about how God feels about this type of lifestyle. Romans chapter one says further, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the nature, the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust, one toward another, men with men, men with men, women with women, working that which is unseemly, and received in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That is very clear, Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. God does not approve of those things and that type of lifestyle. Does God love them? Yes. Is it legal? Yes. But it is sinful and God does not approve of it. And there are many more passages to support that thought. But Noah was not so. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, I believe it is, verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And sometimes what we need to tell folks may not be easy to say. Our family members, our sons and daughters, our grandchildren, that they need to make changes. And every family is in need of a hero. You can either, We can either be the hero of our, of our family um, or not. But necessary obedience activates hope. And that's what they need. Now, let me put it in perspective. You are the Noah of your household. You will either be the Noah and Savior family or not. And I'll tell you why. If you're a member of the church, if if you've been baptized into the church of Christ, you have within you the means to save not only your family, but to save the world. We have the gospel in our minds. God placed it there for that reason for us to share it with the lost. We have a treasure, a treasure in our minds and in our hearts. And God placed it there not only for you and for your family, but for the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are the earthen vessels in which this treasure rests. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God placed that treasure in your mind. And in my mind. And we need to remember that. Remember that. You can allow it to, to, to... be there and you can share it with your family and save your family. You can share it with your friends, you can share it with your neighbors, you can share it with your coworkers, you can share it with your uh with the community that you live in and it's possible to save the world. It's possible to save these people. It's up to us. It's up to you and I. Will you live up to that uh, to that responsibility? Will you be the 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 Noah that your family needs will you be the Noah your parents may need will you be the Noah your children need will you be the Noah your aunties and your uncles need will you be the Noah your cousins need you you we either will be the Noah that they need and share it or they possibly will be lost so Noah was building this ark and i have to ask you if you've been in the church all these years what are you building what have you been building have you been preparing for preparing your ark for this great coming the lord is coming back he's definitely coming back and he could come back soon it could be in our generation it can be in our lifetime and so who have you invited into the ark who have you made an appointment to go study with who have you convinced To come out of the world, to come out of darkness into the Lord's kingdom. We have work to do. You and I have work to do. We have to walk before God as did Noah. Noah answered the call, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through, through them, just like today. And behold, he said, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee a, a ark of gopher, root, uh, gopher wood, room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to build something worthy of, uh, of setting sail. Don't just be out there in the church whacking away in the woods, tearing down, or whacking away at trees and just building recklessly. We got to spend quality time here. And Jesus said to some, which is why it's so important in Luke chapter 14, less happily after, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all begin to mock saying this man was not, this man began to build be but was not able to finish. What a horrible thought. Not enough preparation went into it. Not enough dedication went into it. Not enough investment went into it. Not enough thought went into it. And probably not even enough effort went into it. And I'll tell you today, I'll tell you tonight, it's serious. It's serious. It's that serious. Noah answered the call and was ready to build. And perhaps some of us, and I've seen this in the church far too long, we would rather somebody else do it or not get involved at at all and i'll give you an example of what i'm talking about in that same chapter in luke some said they made these pitiful excuses and they and one by one the bible says with one consent began to make excuses the first guy said i bought a piece of ground and must need go see it i pray thee have me excuse no another said i bought five oxen five yoke of oxen i i got to go prove them I pray you have me excused. No. And the last character said, well, I just got married and I cannot come. Over and over, people make excuses. And maybe we're those types of people. And these poor souls didn't even have enough respect for the Lord, for the master to come and tell him himself. To tell them himself. They sent somebody else. And that's sad. And so the question really is, are we re- are we busy? Are we ready? Are you ready to save your house? Are you ready to save your family? Are you willing and ready to save your relatives? Are you ready to save your colleagues? Have you prepared to save the community that you live in? We always talk about with. Well, uh, it's so much crime in this. Neighborhood, People are just doing this, that, and the other. Well, how many of door, those doors have we knocked on to try to share the gospel, to change the dynamics of your neighborhood? Are you ready to save the world? Are you ready to save the community? Or are you going to be like those folks in Luke 14 and just begin to make excuses?
0: Noah warned the world.
5: 2 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> It says, and spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher. I admire that in, in Noah. And then in Genesis 6 and 3, it says, and the Lord said unto, to him, my spirit shall not always strive with man because he is also flesh. Yet his years shall be 120. His his uh, days shall be 120 years. So poor Noah was out there. Preaching the gospel for 120 years. And we call it preaching the gospel. He was preaching 120 years. And Jesus says something about it in Matthew 24. He says, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to happen the same way. They're going to get caught off guard. They're going to be unprepared. And while some people are out sharing the gospel and, and the good news, as we call it, and trying to save others, there are others of us that are just sitting around because we say, well, I'm not very good at that sort of thing. That would be like your neighbor's house being on fire and you waking up in the middle of the night. Well, I better call the fireman. I'm not going to get involved because I'm. I haven't taken that type of training. I'm just not good at fighting fires. You do something. You do something. Even if you make a mistake, you do something. Brother Marshall Keeble, I I often mention him, and I've mentioned him a lot lately because I don't know why. He's he's on my mind a lot, and he was a profound gospel minister. I think I spoke of him last time I talked to uh, this audience. His wife said, I look like him. I, met, I had the opportunity to meet her. She said he looked just like Marshall or Marsh, as they called him. But he was a great storyteller. And I remember hearing a story by uh, Brother Keeble. He told of his mother. And allow me to share the story with you. He um, he believed in telling the truth. He preached the truth. And he would often tell his mother she was wrong for what she was doing she was in a, a false religion and he was trying to help bring her out of uh you know those types of things away from those types of things and she would often get angry according to him and put him out of the house and he kept giving her the gospel kept preaching to her kept talking to her and she would put him out because she would be so she would be so angry at him But he says that one time he was at a gospel meeting and in the middle of the meeting, he got a call from his mother and his mother said, can you, Marsh, can you come home? And he said he was frightened because he didn't know why she asked him that. And he said that he asked, are you okay? Is everything okay? And she said, yes, I'm fine. I need you to come home so you can baptize me. And he said he finished the meeting. Rushed home, took her great confession, and baptized his own mother. He said that was the greatest work he ever performed. Tell the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Tell tell the truth. Tell the truth. Even if people get angry at you, even if they put you out of their homes, tell your children, tell your parents, tell your friends the truth. Well, Brother Ford, if I do that, I won't have any friends. Jesus said in John 15 and 14, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I have but the need of one friend. And if Jesus is my friend, that's all the friends I need. But remember, iron sharpeneth iron. Your friends will listen to you. Your family may be upset with you. Your children might be upset with you. But they love you. And they're dependent on you to tell the truth. Tell the truth. The Bible says in Genesis 8 and 1, God literally remembered Noah. It says it right there. And something else that, that struck me in that book, Genesis 7 and 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou... And all thy house unto the ark for thee have I found, have I seen to be righteous before me in this generation. God is looking at our lives. We have to live up to this, to righteousness. We have to. There are certain standards we we have to live up to before our families. It's not enough to talk about it. And it's not enough to give them food and raiment and a place to stay. We have to prepare for them an eternal home. I remember reading where Paul said uh, that if a man didn't take care of his family, he was worse than an infidel. If any man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he's worse than an infidel. And it's not enough to provide for them food and raiment. What about their souls? Well, Brother Yusuf, if I do that, uh, people are going to be angry with me. We are so cowardly sometimes. We're so cowards. What about the Lord? There was a there was a store here in Indianapolis called Seven Eleven many years ago, I think they were bought up by Double Eight or something like that Seven Eleven, and they had, you know, a lot of expired food, <laughs> meats that were questionable, uh, mostly mostly most of, most of the things on the shelves I wouldn't buy today, but Seven Eleven went out of business. And when you think of God, think of 7-11, Psalm 7-11, because it says, the Lord is angry with the wicked every day. God is angry. He's angry with this country. He's angry with this world. He's angry with our lifestyles. He's so upset. He's so disappointed. And I have to believe he's disappointed in the church. Because we have sat down on the job. We have become complacent. We have gone along to get along. And sometimes we need to wake up. We have to wake up. Noah. Worship God. God. In a way that God was so pleased with him that he saved not only Noah, but he saved his house. Something that I remember Noah did in in closing. Noah offered a sacrifice to God. A sweet smelling Savior. God smelled it. And God promised to never destroy the, the world again. And it was because of Noah's faith. Because of his walk. Because of his love. Peter said... Eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls were saved by their father's faith. Eight souls were saved by their father's dedication. Eight souls were saved because their father worshipped God and then Jesus, or God added the water. My friends, you got it. We have to do something. We have to do something. Remember, you are the hero of your family. And remember, salvation now only available here. New opportunities and new hope. Necessary obedience activates hope. Because you are the hero or the, or the heroine of your family. Don't sit down. Stand up. Stand with God. Don't just sing the song, Stand Up With Jesus. Live it every single day. We are Noah. You are Noah. May God bless you and God strengthen you to do what you need to do to save your family, your friends and this community. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for this wonderful opportunity. And have a blessed week.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't
3: easy, no, sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord, sometimes it gets rough. Anybody ever belong me my young
2: to the Gospel Light Radio show. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, that's our show. I want to thank you for spending a little time with us this evening in a study of God's word. I want to thank both of my co-hosts, Dr. Frank Washington Jr. and you support for the outstanding lessons on the broadcast this evening. What a blessing it is to have faithful gospel preachers being able to proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I certainly appreciate it. I also want to thank my co-host Steve Corder for his fine answer that he gave regarding that question, uh, wearing a cross around your neck. I think he did a great job answering that question. I certainly appreciate everyone who participated on the show this evening. What a blessing it has been, ladies and gentlemen, to just sit and listen and study God's word. Amen. It is my prayer that the lessons that were given this evening and the things that have been talked about on this show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuned in this radio broadcast, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. So until we meet again, I pray God's continued blessings upon your lives and that He bless you real, real good. You've been listening to the Gospel Light radio show. On behalf of my co-host, we really do appreciate your love and support for these programs. I'm your host, Steve Rob Butler. Good night, everybody. God bless you.
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
1: Our
3: hearts desires must face the winds of doubt. Expecting things from above and wanting. Now. Seek your first the kingdom of God And all these things will be added unto you Just take a, take a hold of you We'll turn the white man into four Treasure of the white oh, oh, oh. We'll get to you Oh, we're gonna get to you So you gotta walk down the narrow way And follow in every day Everything we, everything we have to do, Knock the door we open on you. you, 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 got to walk down the narrow way and follow him every day and don't look back. To be your thing to keep you from going away when he comes back Serial things keep you from going away when he comes back he's coming back by you single bubba walk, walk down the narrow end Oh give him a ridding and don't look there Oh, why not you think Jesus you. He's
2: You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.